Does your bike need some love? Shimano Original Replacement Parts are the best way to renew the original function of your Shimano-equipped bike. Available online and at your local retailer. From Red Kite Prayer, this is The Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. I'm Celine Yeager, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Patrick Brady. Each week, we take a look at how cycling fits in our lives. How are you doing, Patrick? I'm good. I mean, for craziness, I'm good. Um, That's good. (laughs) That's all you can ask for. I'm living in, uh, pick your author, Camus, Kafka, Thomas (laughs) Pynchon, <laughs> Stephen there King. I go again with yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah, the, the nerdy literary references. Uh, apologies, everyone. Uh, I brought know, it back. It's okay. <laughs> um, speaking of kind of apologies, I've been remiss in not doing this before now, but I want to say thank you to all of our listeners. Not that it's that many, but there certainly have been some who've reached out in the wake of me having multiple bikes stolen. There were a couple of them who offered to start a replacement fund for me. Hmm. That's um, nice. Like a GoFundMe. I'm gonna I'm gonna file that under seriously kind. <laughs> uh, I'm certainly humbled by it. I didn't directly respond to anyone uh, because I couldn't figure out with a way to a sufficiently classy way uh, to uh, decline their help. Um, it was just an incredibly awkward for me. I've been fortunate to have my audience turn out in a big way on several occasions. There was the beer fund back in 2012 after I tried to rip my face off. Uh, <laughs> I was largely that. successful. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Then there was the Kickstarter uh, for my book, Why We Ride, when Matthew mm-hmm. was released from the hospital. And then uh, more recently, 2017, people sent boxes upon boxes upon boxes of cycling clothing for my friends and neighbors who lost their homes in the fires. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those have been what I would really file under something along the lines of a crisis. Um, but speaking of crises, we're living in a pretty significant one right now, I'd say. Mm-hmm. And so to accept any kind of help from our community right now, in the face of so many people suffering in one way or another, that makes me intensely uncomfortable. And I just can't in good conscience accept anything like that. And besides, I do have insurance that should cover those losses. Right. Um, not that the insurance company is making it easy for me. They never do. They, uh, they never do. It's never they been this hard before. They get a lot of fraud, I think, too. Oh, my you know, gosh. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, they're they're really... I'm getting the full court press run around on this. Uh, hmm. It was never this hard in the past. Uh, but maybe that's just what they do when you file a third claim about stolen bicycles. <laughs> they like, uh, you might have a little flag by your name. Yeah, yeah. Um, and not red, white, and blue, are we talking? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway... To reiterate, everyone who reached out, thank you so very much. I really am humbled and I'm grateful. 
we'll find some other way for you to do something awesome at some other occasion. So hmm. tell me about this beer run you did with Dave. Oh, we do it. We do a couple of those. Um, uh, that's a, that's like a Sunday thing now. We did like, uh-huh. <laughs> because our breweries, we have a local brewery funk that is open for delivery and curbside, but they're like a mile away from us. So it's, you know, a friend of you ours works there. there. So it's not like a special outing, mm-hmm. but there's one in Bethlehem that, uh, bond brewing that does the same thing. So, uh, we pack like little packable backpacks. And stuff. Mm-hmm. I forgot mine, so Dave had to carry all of them this time. <laughs> but anyway, was that accidental or accidentally yeah, you on know, purpose? Some, sometimes he's good for it. <laughs> um, but you know, he made he made a. How long was this route? I want to say it was like six. Oh, it was because we did the uh, Gravel Worlds. Also, like threw up one of their virtual. Like everyone's throwing up these virtual challenges now, and they had mm-hmm. thrown up one, and it was like sixty miles. So he put together a sixty-two mile ride or so. Um, that went into a bunch of gravel. We've been exploring a lot of stuff uh, north of us, which has been really cool. And then just dropped down into Bethlehem and picked up our beer and then uh, take rail trails and stuff home. So it's 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 a kind of flat ride home, which is better you know, when you have like <laughs> he has like five crawlers on his back. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're not small. <laughs> I offered to put one in my pocket. Um, cause he kept like, he's like, why is it keep leaning to the left? I'm like, cause you have an odd number in your pack. Like, <laughs> why don't, why don't you let me take one? But anyway, um, yeah, it's been, it's fun. It's just been like a really, it's been sort of a treat to go out and, and grab stuff on the way and make a, make a day out of it. Neat. Yeah. Uh, there are two tap rooms very close to me. One trail house, uh, but yep. the other one uh juncture which is uh, you know if i could climb over the fences it would be like 100 yards away if hmm. um maybe even closer than that and i i haven't really been going there i've been focusing on wine lately uh my grocery we outlet have pennsylvania wine is you might as well drink vinegar <laughs> I, i'm sorry for sorry sorry everybody there are a couple I mean, it's not wine country here yet. I mean, maybe right. global climate change will make it so someday. You know, mm-hmm. We'll never know. But um, uh, there are some that are okay. And they mm-hmm. tend to make wine. I did a little ride uh, with a couple of friends of mine, and we stopped at a, one that is relatively close, Black River. And they had a couple that were not bad that they made out of Pennsylvania native grapes. And that makes sense, right? Like if you make a product out of something that is actually indigenous to the area, then it's going to be better than trying to make a short, you know, a Chardonnay or something that you just can't grow here. You know, that doesn't make as much sense. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I follow you there. Yeah. So (laughs) I wish, I mean, but you know, it's, yeah, it's not worth the, yeah. yeah. Well, I've been visiting this store uh, here in Santa Rosa and a- another one relatively nearby grocery outlet. They're all independently owned and operated. And I don't know how they are presented with the buys that they are. But like last weekend, I bought a $70 Pinot for $18.99. Oh, my. You're kidding. I, I, I am not. I am not feces you. Yes, that is. Mm-hmm. crazy 
Yeah. Well, and the funny thing is, it's like, because I spent like eight years really studying wine and reading about it like crazy, I have, I have a certain amount of knowledge just rattling around in my gray matter. And so I can look at a bottle and go, Oh, (laughs) hang on, (laughs) this is going to be good. Um, and so it's just been this incredible adventure of like, how good a bottle of wine can I get for say 10 bucks? Uh, and I'm just hitting it out of the park. Yeah. (laughs) I, I, I choose them by like, you know, it's got like a bunny on the label or something like, it's not, (laughs) (laughs) sometimes I get lucky and sometimes not so much, (laughs) but some, some bunnies are cuter than others. That is true. That is a fact. <laughs> I should send you, I wrote a piece for bicycling. It might've been four years ago already uh, on wine pairing with cycling kind of thing. And I used my friend, Steph Jackenthal, who's like a slama year. Like she's like right. total. And it was, they didn't love it because it was so geek. It was way, it was way too much, you know, talking about the <laughs> minerality of it. Like she didn't say anything about like toasted head or, you know, barefoot or any of the ones that you might you know, like know. Yes. Yes. <laughs> they were all just vintages. And, and it was I mean, if you were a wine person, you really dug it. But for the everyday uh-huh. person, I think it was next. It was a level too far. Like the far side, blah, 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 ginger, blah, blah, ginger, blah. That's pretty yeah. much how it how it came down. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to see that. <laughs> yeah, no, it was fun. I bet uh, another quick aside on like all of this is that I have not been like many people. I imagine I've been driving at all, like mm-hmm. period. Right. Um, and we've already replaced one car battery because we have not been driving at all. Like period. Yeah. Seriously. Wow. Like people, people's car batteries have been dying here. Cause also we were coming out of winter. Um, but I, I, I went to start my car and I, it started and I was delivering, was just dropping off some flowers to my mom. I was just going to, drop in the yard and, you know, just mm-hmm. say hi from a distance. I'm glad I did. But, um, I shop our, for every week I stock up like we, we do for the whole week at the giant, which gives you bonus points towards their gas station. Um, so I, my car had no gas and it was like on fumes. So I went to fill up and between all the bonus points that I had amassed during this thing and the, prices of gas right now i filled up my car for three dollars <laughs> wow full tank three bucks <laughs> that's amazing yeah I, I wish we had giant here we had him back in memphis but that is a i mean it's a great thing it's a great thing in, in when any time but it was so crazy i had a dollar 70 off of a gallon and gas <laughs> is i know ridiculous and gas is less than it was like a double. It was like twenty cents a gallon. It was some ridiculous. It was like oh it ended up being ludicrous. But there you have it. Oh. This was where we are. Envy, envy, envy. Yeah. Uh, well, before we get to your poll, one other little aside. I, maybe we should just do a whole just a show of sides. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> Mother's Day. How'd it go? What's your family? Oh, do? yeah. No, it was nice. It was really nice. Um, I will be talking about my present as my pick. This week, so we'll okay. we'll say we'll save that. Um, and we went. That was our big beer run ride. So we just went out and just rode bikes for four hours, and it was um, it was a nice day. You know, four and a half hours, whatever. It was it was a it was a very nice day. Did a bunch of gravel, um, and I went up. My my father has a wood shop, and he 
is a little obsessive compulsive. So once he starts building something, he builds a lot of them. Like at, back in the day, there were like 7,000 Coca Pellis. Like he would make a Coca Pelle just to warm up, you know, every day. So like, <laughs> it's like playing scales on the guitar or whatever. Like, and he would just like, uh, and now he's into birdhouses. So I'm up to eight. He had like more birdhouses <laughs> for me to pick up. And the, he makes nothing small. These are, these are, uh, they're sturdy. They're they're heavy. You know, they're probably each twenty pounds easily. Um, yeah. So that's yeah, that's good. It was nice to see them. You know, like we even if it had to be like with masks on from a distance in the outside in the backyard, it was very nice. I haven't seen my parents since all this started um, outside of Zoom. So it was it was just nice to be in the backyard and actually speak to them. That's great. Cool. Yeah. 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 Alrighty. Well, I guess maybe now we can move on to polls. Yeah, we can move on. Sure. <laughs> um, I'm going to take a listener question. This, oh, this, yeah, cool. we have a couple uh, next, next week might be one too, but so this one is uh, shortly after the lockdown began, Celine mentioned a study that indicated a massive increase in trail use, like 375% on one trail. I've seen this locally. And from what I hear, it's nationwide trend. Salim mentioned that bike sales have skyrocketed. My LBS is consistently turning around 250 bikes a week and that maintenance must be scheduled 10 days out. My shop is now scheduling three to four weeks out. Uh, My question is this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's bananas. Uh, Are there more recent studies covering more of the country? Has anyone done any in-depth analysis, age, bike type, e-bikes, experience level, distance, etc.? Uh, any Strava data, he's he's saying he is seeing experienced riders cutting back, possibly due to lack of group rides. Uh, one downside is that a UK report had higher bike car fatalities over the prior <laughs> year, possibly because of higher vehicle speeds. So he's just like asking any other interesting finds, trends, um, you know, and it's actually it's really hard to keep track of it all because there's new data coming out constantly around the globe on this it's it's mm-hmm. it's really very interesting um anecdotally every shop i talk to has not and especially our weather is turning beautiful right now so it, it's typically very crowded in shops this time of year or very busy mm-hmm. for shops this time of year and i think they're seeing that exponentially you know the people who haven't already flooded them for something to do are definitely mm-hmm. trying to get their hands on a bike um you know, I know our local shop sold 10 just like in just the other day, just and they're just open for, I know, curbside service. Um, and the couple of people that I speak to regularly say the phone and when you when you're like on the cell phone with them, you can hear the shop phone does not stop ringing. Like the shop phone is just constantly ringing. Wow. Uh yeah, so, so a few hard stats I found. One was uh, the NDP group. It was it's one of those retail sporting group uh, associations that tracks sales. Mm-hmm. Um, children's bikes were up fifty six percent year over year in March, and adult leisure bikes were up one hundred twenty one percent year over year. Wow. Yeah. Uh, it, it it mirrors what I'm saying, but yeah, the, the numbers are definitely it's. You know, and I have read some reports and I haven't noticed it as much myself. But the cars are indeed driving faster because there's fewer cars on the road. Oh, yeah. Uh, but um, 
And in New York, there's bike crashes by themselves are higher. But that makes sense because you have like people, more people are falling on their bike because you have all these new cyclists and rusty cyclists out on the I mean, that's just in my mind, that's just a numbers game. Right. Right. You know, Um, but interest, but pedestrian deaths are down in most cities. New York actually broke the record yesterday of 58 straight days in a row with no pedestrian deaths. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, when you look at pictures, there's there's nobody on the there's Mm -hmm. when you ever see the New York street. I mean, you can actually see like there's usually just packed with cars. Yeah. Um, I mean, photos like that normally are at night, you know, two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And even then there's more cars. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Another interesting fact I came across today that I hadn't even really thought about is that e-bike sales are are booming. Cool. Um, yeah, there, there was a story in Verge yesterday or today that that had some stats. Uh, U.S. bike retailer Electric e-bikes has reported they have a hundred forty percent increase in sales since March fifteenth. Um, wow. Yeah. Uh, Seattle-based Rad Power Bikes said their sales in April increased two hundred ninety-seven percent year over year. There's no year. way to forecast for that. You know. No. No, um, say, so yeah, uh, uh, Aventon in California said their sales for Massachusetts were up almost 300%. California is up 85%. New York is up 164%. Wow. That's a lot. I mean, and it's not going unnoticed. I mean, cities around the world, I, I've been reading about Boston, New York, like everywhere pretty much are, are talking about working on their infrastructure, you know, to try to, um, at least for now, but now many of them are looking at making permanent changes because people are noticing, like, isn't it nice not to be dodging cars and look at the look at the sky and look at the air, you know, and like, I mean, nobody is Pollyannic enough to think that the cars will not return. But man, if we could make this a more and people have been talking about it for so long, how do we make things more walkable? How do we make the downtown fewer cars and this this might be the thing to to rattle that into into existence well i mean what a what a remarkable way is there any better way to sell somebody on something other than giving them that experience and there would be no way to do that before yeah yeah Yeah. no just no way (laughs) you know you'd put someone on a bike in manhattan and they'd be like no thank you thanks (laughs) thanks i'd like to see this weekend yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, here in so, Santa Rosa, there's talk of shutting down Fourth Street downtown for a stretch uh, so that people can walk around more easily. And, uh, you know, of course, like anything, you know, there are those people who are like, no, no, no. Uh, and other people who are like, why is it just going to be for a little while? Can we just, right. I don't know, do it permanently? Right. So it's it's interesting to watch that and see all the opinions flying around back and forth with it. This is. I don't you know, given all the bad with this, I hesitate to use the term silver lining. Most people do. But, right. But we could actually see some societal benefits in the long term. There is no question in my mind. Um you know, there's a lot of genies that have been waiting to be let out of bottles. We have been complaining <laughs> put. Mm-hmm. Uh, about many things that were broken. Uh, the, the the fact that we're still following this 
post-industrial model of people having to commute two hours to an office space five days a week is ludicrous. It's been mm-hmm. ludicrous for at least two decades. Mm-hmm. Since the internet has made things possible, it's been kind of ludicrous. Um, and that's good luck now that everybody is showing that they can be productive, mm-hmm. uh, getting getting people to say, oh, OK, I'm going to do that three hour commute in my car every day again, five days a week. I mean, I do think that it's I think there's something that happens that's that's special when you get people in a room together, for sure. Like yeah. and that, that that should not go by the wayside. And I would never suggest that. But certainly telecommuting twice a week. Mm, that's not a stretch. Yeah. People would be more productive, much more productive. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, a, a one hour meeting is, whew. I mean, the amount of actual stuff that gets accomplished in that hour, very, very little. Yeah. Uh, and if you have three meetings in a day, getting ready for the meetings and then trying to get back on track after you get out of the meeting, that's a whole day. And people just coming in and out and talking. And that's all part of what makes a workplace special. And I, you know, you don't necessarily want that to go away, but man, right. it is, you are so much more productive than when you can sort of detach from that and, and be in a quieter space and actually get some work done, which is yeah. why a lot of people take their work home or they work on weekends. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, th- so there's that. And regarding whether experienced cyclists are cutting back, I, I'm going to give that a hard it depends because anecdotally, I have not seen that, uh, but we're not locked down like we are. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we are technically locked down, but we've never been restricted in our exercise and the part and everything's always been open. Right. So, uh, you know, if anything, cyclists where I am are riding uh, more probably because they're, they have more flexibility in their work time mm-hmm. so they can they don't need to wait till five to ride. They can ride at 1130. If they have a a little break or they can ride first thing in the morning. Um, I did see that Zwift has a 500% increase in workouts completed. So uh, if they're riding less outside, they might be riding more inside. Um, I'm certainly seeing some of that. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think that that that's, that's certainly true, but I, I, I have not personally seen that. I'm not, I'm probably riding about the same, maybe a little less because I'm not doing monster events at the at this point. <laughs> mm-hmm. So the weekends are, you know, they're long rides, but they're not stupid like I might be doing this time <laughs> of year. Um, but I, it, it's interesting. I am working on a story now about how people are actually following more training plans now mm. than they were before, like year over year, like at this time of year. Um there's actually more training peaks workouts being completed. Uh, you know, some of that might be a factor of Zwift because you can sort of marry those two. And so many people right. are, are doing stuff, but I also, and I was actually, it's funny before I read this, all these stats, I was thinking about it the other day, wondering if people were going to start craving that kind of structure and just getting some sort of plan just because. <laughs> because, you know, before this, I knew people who would uh, hire a coach or get a training plan in lieu of a gym membership just because they like the structure. You know, they yep. don't they like to not go out and just try to figure it out for themselves. You know, they, they want to do a little bit more than just ride. Um, so and, and we're far enough into this thing that I, it would not surprise me if there are more people who are just like, OK, I just need someone to tell me what to do out there. And you know, just buy a plan or pick up some coaching. Mm-hmm. And then there's all these, these virtual challenges. Like I was talking about, like Ted King's got his DIY gravel thing going on. Mm-hmm. Um, where he, 
any, like he did, it started, I think, with Rasputitsa or maybe one before that where, you know, if your event was shelved, you, you know, he encourages you to go out however you can, you know, for your area and get the same distance elevation and, you know, send them to your file kind of thing. And then they, you're eligible for sponsor prizes or that kind of stuff. And he's got over a couple thousand people registered for that. Cool. Um, yeah, which is cool. And Rebecca Rush is doing her giddy up for good challenge. I don't know if you've seen that where mm-hmm. um, she's encouraging people to rack up vertical feet for charity, like including COVID-19 relief. And the, the big one is encouraging people to sign up to do an Everest on Memorial Day weekend. So, yeah, she keeps pinging me and I'm just like, I just don't think I have the psychological energy for it. I've got I've, I've there's too many things. It would. There's just too many things that I'm juggling work-wise right now. I think it, in some ways my work is busier than ever on many levels. And I think it would emotionally push me over the edge to try to logistically plan an Everest. So, well, I'm supporting her in other ways. I, you know, I'm getting the word out and doing all that. But I, 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 we'll see. If I make progress on this book that is killing me right now then I might, I don't know that that's a reward though, to go out and go up and down the same hill 37 times, but um, no, really? Yeah. yeah we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that's, that's kind of, I, what do you, you said you said, are you seeing people riding more or less different? Uh, I'm seeing all sorts of stuff. So there are people who are definitely riding less friends of mine who just aren't getting out as much. That's a thing. Other friends, because of their flexibility and work and their reduced workload, because sometimes their work involves like going to clients and that sort of thing, and that's off, they're getting more miles. And then other people, uh, I'm certainly seeing more chatter about Zwift. Mm. Um, I got added as part of a group on Facebook uh, that rides every Wednesday afternoon, and I have not been able to join in on any of those yet. but. I have this aspirational thing about one of these days, I'm going to do one of the rides with them and actually do their group ride. And so I don't take myself out of the conversation. Uh, And that group has grown by a few people each week, I think. And the enthusiasm level there is pretty off the charts. It's uh, it was formed by a buddy of mine, Bill Cass, who used to do illustrations for bicycle guide in his spare time he was a cat one back in New England, back in the 1980s, early 90s, best known as a shoe designer for Nike. So all their road shoes for some number of years were, were bills. Wow. Uh, he now does, he's working for someone else and, but still doing footwear. That's kind of his main thing, but dude's a brilliant artist and a neat guy and kind of anything he does, I just want to be a part of, but I have not been able to do this for me. I haven't joined any of the various challenges or anything like that because what I've made my peace with is that when I manage to get out the door and get on the bike, other than knowing what bike I'm going to get on, which bike I want to ride that day, before I start pedaling, I have no idea what it is I'm going to feel like doing. Yep. No, I, I, I get that. Yeah, there are those occasions where I, I, I suddenly find, oh, I want to go thrash something, including me. Uh, mm-hmm. And then there are all those other days where it's like, if I get my heart rate above 109, I'm going to have a talk with myself. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm still I'm I'm 
I'm tired. Like I am, <laughs> and, I, and I know it's because I'm so busy at work, and this is this this the overlying stress of this is draining me mentally. Like there's mm-hmm. there's there is I am everything feels a little harder. You know, yep. I'm so right. So I have so I just don't have the desire to make it even harder. You know, mm-hmm. I'm still like climbing hills and riding hard trails and all that kind of stuff. But to put any it, other pressure on that, um, it would be counterproductive for me. Right. You know, I have taken my computer off my bike. Like I have not ridden with my computer on my bike for weeks. Mm. I've taken it off. I put it in my pocket because I'm in Strava, but I don't uh, <laughs> I don't look at it. <laughs> and it's actually been really nice. It's been uh-huh. really nice not to have any electronic thing on my handlebar like i th- this might stick for this this could stick i'm yeah. really and en- i'm really enjoying not seeing a screen on my handlebars huh. at all yeah i i simply don't know that i could do that i would at least want if not elapsed time than a clock i i'd need to have some sense of time uh because so often there is a particular time i need to be back by don't you have uh, routes that you kind of know? Like that's an hour. That's an hour uh, and a half. That's two. Here in Sonoma County, uh, only a handful. I mean, I've been here five years, but I needed to get into that routine of having some set routes pretty quickly that it's a, a very small vocabulary that way. Yeah. Yeah. And no, I'm, I mean, I've been here long enough and I've done enough like lunch rides for decades mm-hmm. that I can tell you like to almost to the minute how long like certain. Right. And that was me in Southern California. Yeah. And it, it, it's funny because I was thinking about that yesterday um, or day before yesterday. No, yesterday on my ride, uh, as I was heading home, I was thinking about how there's this one road uh, getting out toward uh, it runs into Napa County and beyond. I've never written it. And yet it's incredibly popular with roadies around here, but because I haven't been part of any club doing the club rides, I have just never been out to that road. And yet the equivalent distance from my home when I was living in Redondo beach, that's a road I would have been all over once a week. Hmm. So, so there's this, I I'm aware that I need at some point to begin breaking out and doing, uh, larger loops and different loops and start to establish, you know, other routines so that I have those memorized loops uh, you know, kind of in my back pocket. Um, it's a, yeah, like I said, it's a really small vocabulary for me. Um, but yeah. fortunately the ones that I have, I adore. So there's that. There's that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're going to take a short break for our sponsor Shimano and we'll be right back at Shimano. We love riding and we know you do too. As a small repayment for all the joy your bike has brought your life. We encourage you to maintain your bike regularly. Genuine Shimano replacement parts will keep your Shimano-equipped bike running smoothly. Whether your bike is built with 105, XTR, or our new gravel group, GRX, a well-maintained bike will operate better and go faster. Worn out a chain? Consider that a badge of honor. You've been riding a lot. Does it sound like metal on metal when you hit your rim brakes? That's a sign it's time for new brake shoes. What if your disc brakes don't feel as crisp as they used to? Cool, you've been going fast. Give them a bleed. Does your chain skip on smaller cogs? You're using all your gears and now your cassette is shot. Is that old saddle creaking? It may be fatigued. 
because of all the miles you've put in. Consider a saddle from Shimano's Pro line of components. And what about your feet? Cleats can and do wear out, especially the right cleat if you're a cyclocross racer. Whether it is the plastic cleat on a road shoe or metal SPD cleat, they can and do wear out. To keep that love burning bright, show your bike a little TLC and take it by your nearest Shimano dealer to keep it running just like when it was new. Okay, we're back with the Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. What is your poll this week? Well, so this winter, when I was going out on gravel rides, uh, I began to notice something kind of odd. On really rough descents, some gravel bikes that I rode would begin to oscillate in turns, um, kind of like a very slow speed wobble. Hmm. And it was something that would only incur, occur in turns. On straights, no problem. And if the turn was wide enough or the descent shallow enough that I didn't have to brake, I wouldn't get the oscillation. But if I braked, it would definitely happen and I'd have to brake even more. Hmm. The phenomenon really began to mess with me because I couldn't predict which bikes would cause it, at least not at first. Uh, initially, I thought it was a geometry issue, but when I went and looked at geometry tables for the bikes that I was riding, uh, I would expect it to happen on bikes with a higher bottom bracket. Mm-hmm. Okay, That is less bottom bracket drop. And for it not to happen on bikes with a lower BB, that is more mm-hmm. bottom bracket drop. And I should probably back up here since I'm going full nerd already uh, for those who aren't avowed bike nerds like me. So bottom bracket distance is the height from the ground to the center of the bottom bracket. Builders use the, the figure BB drop because they have to do it from basically drafting. Um, so it's uh, BB drop is a, a line drawn from one axle to the other that's parallel to the ground with the BB drop being the distance between that line and the center of the BB. And that line is, of course, perpendicular to the ground. Uh, I'll talk about BB drop here more than BB height, because once you change tires, uh, Mm -hmm. you change BB height. Um, So BB drop's the best way to express this. So more BB drop lowers the bike's center of gravity, increasing stability. You'd think that bikes with more BB drop would be more stable, right? Yeah, that's the idea. Well, that wasn't what was happening for me. (laughs) Um, Of all the bikes that I rode through the winter, and there were, I want to say, six different bikes that I rode on unpaved surfaces with a drop bar. The best handling of the bunch had a drop of only 6.9 centimeters, which is kind of like a traditional road bike. Mm -hmm. Most gravel bikes are a little lower than that. That bike is my allied Alpha All Road. Yep. One of the bikes that suffered this problem the worst was my 7 Earhart, though it had the lowest BB of any bike I've ridden in dirt, 8 centimeters of BB drop, okay? That's at the far end of what anyone will do. You'll never see more than 8 centimeters of drop. Um, And then there were a bunch of bikes that kind of fell in between those. Uh, So I figured, well, what's the thing to do? Oh, I'll call smart people. My very first call? Sam Pickman at Allied. He designed the Alpha All Road. Dude was an engineer for Specialized. Very, very bright guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember meeting him when he was running the test lab. This long-haired kid engineer straight out of college who's busy hopping around the lab talking about all the cool stuff he's getting to break. 
So <laughs> I've known him a little while. Yeah. Very, very bright guy. And so when I brought up the geometry issue to him, he's like, I don't think so. I think it's probably frame stiffness. You're talking mm-hmm. about titanium versus steel versus carbon fiber. Mm, I'd, I'd look at frame stiffness. Um, and I was like, ah, I, I'm not sure I buy that, but okay, I'll think about it. And then I turned around, talked to a former specialized engineer from a generation before, master frame builder, Mark Danucci. Yep. Guess what Danucci said? Same thing. Yeah. Stiffness. Hmm. And I was like, oh, mm. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm thinking, well, that really opens a jar of night crawlers. Um, so I'm going to guess that anyone who is a cyclist and is active on social media or even joins in conversations during or mm-hmm. after group rides has heard mm-hmm. someone deride the bike review cliche of vertically compliant, but laterally stiff. Yep. And, you know, I'm honestly amazed at how often that does turn up in some reviews. But to be fair, it is the holy grail of frame qualities. Okay. Who doesn't want to ride a road bike that is comfortable over rough roads, but still stiff enough to handle well? Mm -hmm. Years ago, when I was first at Bicycle Guide, I would join, uh, I would judge a frame's torsional stiffness by shifting into the big chain ring. And then the third cog in from the hub back in those days, that was usually gear 53 by 19. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A a stout gear. Mm -hmm. I'd stand up and I'd sprint up a false flat, just give it everything I had. And if I could make the chain rub both the inner and outer plates of the front derailleur, Uh the frame was not particularly stiff. That's a good test. Okay. If it only rubbed on one plate, the frame was reasonably stiff. And that was generally about as far as, as, you know, I could hope for mm-hmm. every now and then though, if it didn't rub on the front derailleur at all, I knew, Oh, this bike's really stiff. That only happened a handful of times back in the 1990s. It didn't start to happen regularly until the two thousands. And now it's really hard to even think that way because the front derailleur cages have gotten bigger and the chains have gotten narrower. Right. So it's, it's not, it's not a standard that works terribly well anymore. I can tell you from experience that the bikes that didn't rub at all were also the bikes that handled really well. And the softest bikes in the bunch, mm-hmm. absolutely scary on descents. Like yep. to the point that I often had to check my speed. Okay. So yep. we fast forward 20 odd years and I can tell you that most bikes today are as stiff as the very stiffest bikes I was riding back then. I couldn't tell you the last time I ran across a road bike that didn't handle well on a smooth descent. Okay. What I really didn't expect to find was that a bike that handles perfectly well on smooth pavement, even on fast technical descents could suddenly exhibit a flaw on a descent dealing with a a rough dirt road. Okay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I went out on a couple of bikes and I tried a variation of my old test. Front derailleur cages, like I mentioned, they're different now, chains narrow, blah, blah, blah. But what I was able to determine was that the Allied was definitely the stiffest bike I had access to. Uh, And then my seven got stolen. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, but what I did do was I went and looked up the seven's custom kit numbers. Uh, I still have that PDF file from when that bike was designed. And lo and behold, 
I found that I had requested the bike have a stiffness of six on their one to 10 scale. Hmm. Uh, Neil Doshi, who designed that bike mm-hmm. and still designs the vast majority of all sevens, said normally they're kind of go to on frame stiffness, a seven. So I was on the soft side of even what they prefer to do. Um, I recall that when the bike was being built, there were plenty of people I was encountering. And this is kind of in the early days of dedicated gravel bikes. Mm-hmm. Um, there were plenty of people I was encountering who were telling me that they were using smaller diameter tube sets to increase rider comfort. Turns out, I'm going to say that's not the way to go. (laughs) Ultimately, the issue is the same as it has ever been. You don't want the front wheel to twist out of the plane, out of plane with the rear wheel. Mm -hmm. If it does, you end up with handling problems. And if you want to improve comfort and control with gravel bikes, just take some air out of your tires. No matter the stiffness of the frame. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Did you try that on the bike that you were having that also? Okay. Um, I, I've tried it on a couple. I didn't, I didn't get to go back and do that any further on the seven, uh, right. but I've, I've done it on several and uh, there's a factor that I'm finishing up right now. And I've got an extraordinary wheel set from envy on that bike. And yesterday I went out and I took the pressure all the way down to 30 PSI in the, in the rear and 28 in the front. What size tires? A 40. Holy crap. Okay. And I mean, I just, I couldn't believe how good the handling was. I mean, it's a stiff bike. It is carbon. Uh, that's the bike that I talked about previously. It was so incredibly well-designed and well-manufactured. And, uh, it's, it's a bike that if I go into a turn really, really hot and it's really bumpy and I get on the brakes, yeah, I can get a little bit of oscillation, mm-hmm. a hair, uh, but not to any significant degree. That Allied, though, that thing, I, I realized that it has actually improved my confidence on dirt road descents. I've done some crazy things on that bike. The kinds of speeds that I've hit on unpaved surfaces. Um, certainly not as fast as I can do on a full suspension mountain bike, okay. but uh, enough to drop some people who are kind of otherwise better descenders than me. And hmm. it's, yeah. And that's without a dropper post. I'm hoping to add a dropper post to that bike soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Man. So, I, you know, it's, it's been a, a, a curious process and I've talked to some other people who I didn't even include mentioning here. But I, what I've, I've been surprised to find is that, yeah, frame stiffness, the weirder the terrain, the more important frame stiffness is. That's interesting. I can get away with a less stiff bike if the surface is smooth. And <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, but most people would assume the opposite, right? Well, I did. I did. I'm not going to fault anyone else for thinking, oh, well, it's a rough surface. Let's soften the bike up some. Right. No, just just make it as stiff as you can. Just take some pressure out of the tires. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. That's really interesting. It's it's a it's a surprising data point for me. The thing that was scaring me was that I was beginning to think that, yeah, maybe the higher bottom bracket uh, and less trail was actually better 
for gravel bikes, where I had always thought that more yeah, trail that would, and lower that would be go gained. so flying in the face of everything that they've been doing with gravel, right? Like that would be a sea change from where we're going. By and large, yeah, but I mean the all road is a relatively higher bottom bracket, relatively low road. trail. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, they say it's made for 35s. I can get a 40 in it if the rim's not too wide. And, uh, I mean that I've done, yeah, I've, uh, the craziest stuff I've done on a gravel bike I've done on that bike. Oh, they're good yeah. bikes. I mean, they're, yeah. they're really, really good bikes. I'm not, yeah. I'm not saying that. Yeah. Um, hmm. but yeah, it makes me wonder a little bit if, if that bike did have a slightly lower bottom bracket, maybe just a hair more trail what I would be doing on descents with that thing. Um, I just, I did not expect to find out that that extra degree of stiffness was making that much difference in how the bike handled. Right. The whole bike voodoo thing is amazing. It really is. You know, for that reason, I think that builders by and large don't get the credit that they ought to. And, you know, given the engineering that's going on at the, the big manufacturers now, everybody from, you know, felt to specialize giant Trek, all of those guys, the work that goes into designing a bike now, I think still most folks don't understand just how much is involved and just how well they know that bike before the first one ever comes out of a mold. It's yeah. remarkable. And, and it's, yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's, it, it's all remarkable to me. It's remarkable to me that, um, we can that that we continue to innovate so much on this very classic design. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know that we are still finding opportunities to improve something that's been around for more than a hundred years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, certainly componentry opens doors like this breaks open doors, right? I mean, there's there's mm-hmm. some of those big changes that happen through changes in components. I yeah. argue, but um, oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, I just owned it in a review I did of the Shimano GRX group. I was somebody who was anti-disc brake before I rode disc brakes. And even the first couple of times I rode disc brakes, I was still like, eh, I don't, I'm not feeling it. And now there are descents that I think about in Malibu that if I'd had disc brakes for those, good Lord, that the difference that would have made in what I was doing uh, on descents. It Holy makes cow. a big difference. It, it makes really difference. does. It yeah. really, really does. Uh, and so I, you know, to the credit of all the people who were <laughs> in the industry who were arguing with me about it, um, I, I feel an ever-present need to own that, yeah, um, they were right. I was wrong. You weren't alone. <laughs> you weren't alone. There are many people pushing back on that. There's still people who, who push back a little bit on it. But, um, you know, on a perfect day... It, it, you know, the, the, yes, you can do a lot. I mean, of course, people have done plenty with rim bakes forever, but modulating speed and when it rains, forget it. Like, th- there's just <laughs> that is night and day. Like, there's just not even a comparison. You can actually stop your bicycle. Like, that is, yeah. 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 I, no more of those events where I hit the, the, the brake levers and suddenly it feels like the bike's actually accelerating because I'm expecting <laughs> the bike to slow down. It's the worst <laughs> feeling. No, yeah. I know that. I know that feeling well. Yeah. And you're looking yeah. for where you're going to crash and hoping it's a soft place because. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. How do I maximize the radius of this turn right now? Oh, <laughs> I just had that happen last summer. I, that's That was the impetus for me. I'm like, I'm selling my rim brake road bike and I'm getting a, a disc brake one. Because um, I still do. We have still enough just paved roads where going fast on a road bike is very fun. Um, <laughs> uh, that, and, I'm, and I'm glad I did. I'm glad I bought it. But I, I was just like, Dave and I were out and we were on, of course, the steepest descent of the ride. And it's like, 20% and play the kind of thing and it's raining uh-huh. and it's new rain, you know, like fresh rain. Oh. And I like, this is really terrifying. Like this is actually really terrifying. I don't have a dropper post because <laughs> I have course, cause I'm on a road bike. Like yep. all the things that like I would reach for on my other bicycles to save my situation. were not there. <laughs> you know, I can't. So yeah. yeah, I didn't crash. That's good. But it was, I, it was, it was, it made my mind up right there and then. Cause I, well, we ride in the weather, you know? Right. That's, uh, yeah. <clears throat> I've, I've had one experience uh, on roads that I know on a gravel bike with a dropper specialized to verge. And mm-hmm. even, you know, that dropper wasn't terribly long. I don't, no, they're not long. Four centimeters, you yeah. know, something like, but even that much made a really noticeable difference. It may, it still makes a big difference. Just a little bit. Like I'll, yeah. sometimes on my mountain bike, I'm just bumping it down. Even on my mountain bike, just a little bit. Because if it's too far, it's wonky handling, you know, but like when I'm going through rock gardens and stuff, I just wanted a little out of the way. And it just it makes a big difference. Yeah. For a long time, I was that way that if I I put the seat down too far, I didn't understand how to handle the bike. I've gotten past that now. So mostly I'll just slam it all the way down no matter what, unless like I still need to pedal a little bit a couple strokes yeah most of it's too pedally for me like it would just be too much back and forth you know like it I, there's a sweet spot where mm-hmm. it works yeah 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 I, I mean that descent that i did one of the descents that day that i did on the diverge i set a pr and it was only my third time down that particular road it was years before i topped it on a bike without a dropper years went by i have yeah. no trouble believing that Uh, so yeah, filing that away and just found out that actually, uh, in Shimano's pro line, not only do they have an external cable dropper, but they do have an internal one. And so I'm going to look into the possibility of putting that on the allied. Nice. That'd be great. Yeah. 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 Cause I just don't know what to do with it on the outside other than getting a lot of duct tape. You don't want to do that. I don't. No, yeah, it's true. <laughs> All righty. Well, let's cool. go on to Paceline Picks. All right. Mother's Day present. Um, as I've mentioned, we've been doing these rides on the weekends and, you know, we're trying to be as self-supported as possible. You know, there are some mm-hmm. country stores out there that are open and we can safely navigate, but um, usually trying to carry as much as we can. So I got um, another snack bag. <laughs> for my bike from this company in Philly uh, called Reload. And they make really, I want to give them a shout out because they've been in Philadelphia since 1998. Um, Yeah. Uh, Roland, Roland is still there. Ellie, I think is in Portland now, but they, they hand stitch their bags, you know, and you can get all the custom colors and they're, they just make really great stuff and they're good people. But um, this this is this is a, a new kind of snack bag that I think might uh, might actually replace my love for the bento box. You know, Ooh. yeah, it's a 
It's a snack pack. It's it's sort of a rectangular thing that goes in the front of your handlebars and it, you know, sort of fastens with the Velcro straps the usual way. But the closure of it is a flap on the top that you has a little bungee that you pull over and you hook over your stem bolts. Oh, uh-huh. so it closes that way. Mm-hmm. And holy mackerel, like it makes it so easy to get in and out of. Um, because it's just, you can just like flip it open and it's really pretty secure, you know? So you can, Uh I had my phone in there. I had my computer in there. I had my snacks in there. Um, and it was just like, just open, close. It's secure. No zippers. No, I wasn't bumping in it. The thing I don't love about the bento boxes is when you're out of the saddle, sometimes you brush them with your knees, which is not a huge deal, but it's a little, it can be a little annoying. Um, you know, like when it's sitting right on top of your top tube like that, I don't, it can be a little obtrusive. And also like the zippers can, with the weather, because I ride in weather, can get kind of stuck. Um, <laughs> okay. But, yeah, I've never but, ridden with one, so I don't know the various pitfalls. Yeah, I'm telling you. They, um, <laughs> they because they sit there, I mean, they, they are, I, they work quite well. But when you get out of the saddle, sometimes you do end up rubbing on the sides of them. Mm-hmm. With your knees, you know, depending like what you're I can see that is. happening. Yeah. Yeah. And it's after a hundred miles, it gets old, you know, um, lots of things get old after a hundred miles. That is a, that is very, that is very true. Uh, but this thing, I, 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 this is a really nifty little design. And I, and, and when we're talking about bikes and stuff, but like it continues to impress me how people can like improve these mousetraps too. Like, cause mm-hmm. ba- bike bags are very popular right now and it's, kind of fun to see all the different configurations that people are figuring out on how to carry stuff that's not in your way and easy to access and uh all that kind of stuff so yeah reload it's uh the bag is actually called the snack pack (laughs) and it's (laughs) and wasn't that the name of a pudding back when we were kids (laughs) yes you're correct and it it might have actually been was it from jello was it a jello maybe maybe it might have been jello um yeah, no, it's a it's a it's a great bag. So and they got to love these guys. I mean, 20 years later, they're still like stitching from scratch, you know, start mm-hmm. to finish and right in their in their little shop. So I just got to say how impressed I am that they started a bike bag company in 1998 and they've survived now because that was at exactly the point where 98, unless it was a saddle bag, you know, under the seat, not pannier nobody was buying bags they were messengers so that was a hot time uh, if you recall okay. for, yeah for yeah. Messenger, messenger bags, bags became in vogue for a bit if you recall yes like yes. everybody had a timbuktu bag even if they had nothing mm-hmm. to do with bicycles for a while yep. um yeah okay. so i okay, i'm sure that yeah yeah <laughs> so they they were making commute you know they're in philly so they, i'm sure they had a very stout commuter business but now they've pivoted okay. to like Everybody, you know, because like right. they're they're the thing now. Even roadies are running around with like little snack bags on their bikes. So, uh huh, yeah. Well, I mean, I was thinking about when I get my Earhart rebuilt by Seven. You know, I can ask for completely different brazons than I had last time around. Oh yeah, you know. So what do I want this time? And I was thinking about yeah, brazons for some sort of bag uh, to to carry more food and whatever else. And mm-hmm. like what I want and where I want it. Uh, Cause I don't want Velcro straps. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. I understand that. So I'm going to have to look these guys up myself. Yeah. You should look them up just cause they're, 
They're a cool story. They're good people. Neat. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And the bag is, I think, forty five bucks. But anyway, they're doing a lot of good work. They're doing a lot of COVID work right now too. So. Oh, um, neat. Yeah, good to support. Cool. Uh, so a few episodes back, I talked about the warmers from Sportful's No Rain line. Since then, I've been able to try several more pieces of theirs. And the piece I'm going to talk about this week is the Fiandre Light No Rain Jacket, which comes in both a short sleeve and a long sleeve version. So, Did you just say a short sleeve jacket? uh, uh, Yes. Yes, I did. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Short short sleeve jacket. Yeah. Okay. I'm just making sure I understood that. (laughs) Yeah. uh, I mean, it's... The it falls under the category of jacket, but yes, they offer a short sleeve version thereof. Uh, okay, <laughs> go, go up, please go on. Sorry. I I, I kind of get where they're coming from, so I you know I'm not going to give them any grief for that. Uh, okay. uh, so you know you know the Castelli Gabba, right? I and do. the Profeto. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. so this is kind of a second cousin to those. The long sleeve Profeto is something I'd wear when temperatures are in the low 40s, uh, mm-hmm. even the 30s and up into the low 50s. 55 is about as warm as I'd wear, and I'd use a very light base layer. But I mean, I've done down to freezing with a heavy base layer underneath a Gabba or a Perfetto. Um The Fiandre Light No Rain is something meant for more, at least for me in the temperature ranges where I'm comfortable. I'd say mid fifties through the sixties and maybe even into the low seventies with the short sleeve version. Hmm. The garments feature a lightweight, but wind stopping fabric in the front and shoulders and upper sleeves. The idea is that it's meant to be breathable, but keep you dry in damp or misty conditions. If big raindrops fall, like say from the boughs of redwoods on your back, Uh, they will pass through the fabric on the back and the writer say a guy like me, uh, will get wet. Um, but you know, so they're not meant for a downpour, mm-hmm. but, but in a, a mist or a drizzle, the, the nature of that fabric that they're using, it'll cause the, the moisture to beat up mm-hmm. on, on the jacket and then run off. It's cut pretty low in the back to make sure you've got adequate coverage uh, when you're in the drops. Mm-hmm. It's got three pockets in back, so you've got plenty of storage capacity. Um, it's also got a high collar. So if it's windy or you've got blown rain, mm-hmm. you're nice and insulated that way. And then, of course, there are reflective strips to keep you visible to the fewer cars that are on the road, but moving faster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I tell you, there's... Relative to what I've seen, there's a no man's land in apparel with very few pieces out there meant to deal with a combination of wet and cool, not wet and cold. Uh, I really only wear rain jackets on training rides when I know, like, you know, I can pull over to get food out, you know, when I'm not going to get dropped by a group. Um, I've even tried a short sleeve rain jacket. Uh, but my core still ended up feeling like I was in a greenhouse. Uh, Mm -hmm. it was just, it was too much. Um, these things are a seriously wonderful alternative. Uh, I wore, I've worn the short sleeve one twice and the long sleeve one three times, including yesterday. 
And honestly, after my first couple wears, I was like, you know, it was starting to get summery here. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to get to ride these again until next fall. And then suddenly winter's back here, but fifties and rain. (laughs) I know that's not a real winter. Okay. Please. No, no pipe bombs. Um, but yeah, so I pulled it back out and it's like, this thing is just such a wonderful garment. Anytime, I mean, anytime it rains in Northern California, it's not going to be 80 degrees. We don't get 80 in rain like you do in Florida or huh. Memphis, or I'm sure you get that from time yeah, we to time. Get it. Yeah. It's, it is not a thing that, that is a meteorological impossibility in Northern California. Hmm. So if it's raining, it's cool. Right. Huh. And so this is perfect. And you know, the short sleeve one, I could see that being really handy on certain days. You, you pair that with the no rain arm warmers. Yep. You've got a little added flexibility. Uh, I mean, this is like a, a really impressive little secret weapon that they've got. And people deserve to learn about these. I, I just have to ask, what makes it a jacket and not a jersey? Hmm. Um, I can, my contact is Sportful. Uh, his name's Paul. I can I know give Paul. you his email. <laughs> okay. I, um, I know you're listening, Paul. I'm sure you can tell us. Um, I, you know, I don't know how, and we got to remember that this is a European company. Mm-hmm. And so some of our American sensibilities may get lost in translation. Um, you know, it's an, I, yeah, I don't know why it's like not a, a gillet for a vest or whatever. A gil- I don't even know. Gillet. 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 Giblet. Whatever the heck. <laughs> now All I'm right. reminded of that episode of Archer of Randy Gillett. Um, <laughs> instead of Gillette. Um, yeah. So I, I, yeah, I, I, the only it, thing about the whole Jersey versus jacket versus that sort of thing is that sometimes you got to click through a couple things on a website to find the item that you're looking for. Yes, that is, that is a fact. That's, that's, no, that's kind of cool, the only I mean, odd I, part, but I, yeah. I like, I like products that, that contend with the weather that you face. Um, it just makes you so much more comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. And this is a, a really, I've thought about why don't I have something that's not as heavy as a GABA, but for those cool and damp days. And it's like, Oh, here we go. And it also, by the way, comes in some really great colors. Um, oh, there's a, check. there's an orange that kills. I didn't get the orange, uh, but the, the kind of forest green that I have the long sleeve one in, man, it's good looking. Cool. Even on me. <laughs> Sweet. All righty. Uh, well, that's a wrap on another episode of the Pace Line. Everybody, keep those questions coming. We're getting great stuff here. Uh, if you got an idea, please drop by RKP and put a suggestion in the comments. Don't forget our Pace Line kits from Primal. They're up in the RKP store. We hope you've enjoyed the show. And if you have, please leave us a good review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It makes us easier for other listeners to find. Until next week, I'm Patrick Brady with Celine Yeager. Thanks for listening to The Pace Line.